0: So I'm just going to go ahead and read the part that we read three weeks ago, I guess. Revelation 22, 4 through 8, but we're going to pick it up around verse 6, I believe. So here we go. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. And then Jesus speaking here, Behold, I'm coming quickly, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. So this is going to be interesting as we get into this part. But let's pray. Father God, we lift up this time in your word this morning. We pray that you continue to equip us, Lord. Prepare us, train us for what lies ahead. Not just in the short term, Lord. We know we're living in very perilous times, and we look forward to seeing you face to face very soon. But Lord, we're not only being equipped by you for the short term, but for the long term as we prepare to rule and reign with you for a thousand years, Lord God, and then into all eternity. We ask you to bless this time of study in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so, we left off in verse 5, and I was, I think I may have read this verse last time, I'm not sure, but Revelation 20 verse 6 Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection and that takes us back to verse 5. There shall be no night there, they need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign how long? Forever and ever it's really beyond our ability to comprehend forever and ever is a long time except we will be living in the realm of eternity time will no longer be relevant we can all get rid of our apple watches and so forth that'll be a blessing <laughs> blessed and holy is he revelation 20 verse 6 who has part in the first resurrection the resurrection of the righteous over such the second death. So there is a second death. Oftentimes people get focused on the first death. You know, the death that we're all facing, imminently in these mortal bodies. And they try to stave it off as long as they can. And we talked about this not too long ago. Because we were created to live forever. There is built into us this desire to fight, to live. Not to give up. But in terms of these mortal bodies, it's really a futile pursuit. Because no matter how many things we inject into our bodies, no matter how many surgeries we get, and become very bionic, if you will. You remember the bionic man? And then there was the bionic woman. What are they going to do about that now that everybody's transgendered? Okay. But these bodies will fail at some point. But we are going to live forever. Not only are we going to live forever, we're going to reign forever, but that second death is the one people should really be concerned about. Because if you are in Christ, how do you become in Christ? You invite Christ to come into you. Okay, you confess your sins. You repent. Both John the Baptist and Jesus said repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means to turn... And go the other way. Turn from following your own path and begin to follow God's path. And when you do that, you're born again, and it's the old saying born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. The first death, if we have Christ, has no power over us, no big deal. And I decided to celebrate the resurrection again today with the music that we sang. I just wasn't ready to let go of resurrection day yet, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So here it talks about the first resurrection. The second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. So phase one of our Reigning with Christ, ruling and reigning, is in the millennial kingdom here on earth. Phase two is reigning with him forever in the new Jerusalem. So the millennium is just the beginning of our eternal reign with Christ. And verse six, then he said to me, the angel, said to John, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. These words are faithful and true. So, John wants us to know, God wants us to know, that we've spent what we've spent the last two years or more probably studying the book of Revelation is absolutely true and trustworthy. The whole book of Revelation is given by God to give us hope for the future, to prepare us for eternity. And here, God is referred to as the Lord God of the holy prophets. He's the same divine God that's speaking now to John through Jesus and through these angelic beings. He's the same God that spoke through the Old Testament prophets and his words have been confirmed down through human history. Hebrews 1.1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So we have the first phase of God's revelation to mankind in the Old Testament through the prophets, and then the latter revealing, unveiling, apocalypsis, if you will, through his son, Jesus Christ. And this book of Revelation, by the way, is called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revealing of Jesus and all of his resurrected glory. We see that at the very beginning of the book and his interaction with John throughout this book of Revelation. It says he sent his angel to show his servants the things that must shortly, or one translation says soon, shortly or soon take place. And we've read about quite a great number of angels during this study of Revelation, but it would seem that there is one particular angel in charge of bringing this revelation of Jesus Christ to John. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Who knows? We are not told who it is but two of the prominent angels that we read about in the Bible are Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel seems to have particularly had that task in that role of heralding bringing messages we look into the origins of uh, the birth of Christ and the revelation to Mary that she would be with child and to Joseph both of those messages came from Gabriel this could be Gabriel we don't know he's not named but notice what it says in Revelation 1.1 things which must shortly take place these things must happen and they will And so that's important to remember as we see the world around us apparently crumbling and falling apart. These things must happen in order for God's kingdom to be established here upon the earth. And so we have to choose to not be fearful. God's perfect love casts out all fear. He's not given us the spirit of fear. We have to realize that these things must happen for God's plan to fully unfold. And contrary to what so many so-called scholars say today, the purpose of the book of Revelation is not to bewilder or confuse. Some argue, well, we shouldn't really study that book. It's too hard to understand. It's too confusing. Best to just leave it alone. And do you suppose that God would have put it in the Bible if he didn't want us to read it? We've already seen in chapter 1 how there's a special blessing promised for those who read it, hear it, and obey it. The purpose of the book of Revelation is not to bewilder and confuse, but to reveal the things that must soon take place. And if it was soon 2,000 years ago when John wrote these things down, can you imagine how soon it must be now? The Word of God was not given to obscure. It was given to be understood by those who are taught by the Spirit of God. And I would propose that many who have argued against studying the book of Revelation have not really sought that divine instruction from God's Holy Spirit. People who read the Bible and find it confusing, it's because they haven't met the one who wrote it. All right, on to verse 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. By the way, this is really the theme of the whole book. Behold, I'm coming quickly or coming soon. Revelation 3.11. Behold, I'm coming quickly soon. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Again, as we've talked about so many times, salvation is a free gift. You can't pay for it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. But we're encouraged here, hold fast to what you have. That implies that there are going to be elements, both earthly and otherworldly, there are going to be elements attempting to take from you your crown, your reward, your position, your place in Christ. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. We talk often about the three enemies of the faith, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And don't we all know that that's an ongoing battle and an ongoing struggle? And it's not going to stop until we see Jesus face to face. The enemy is always looking for an opportunity, watching and waiting for us to let our guard down. And we've probably all done that at one time or another, have we not? But thank God for His grace and His mercy, His love, His forgiveness. He's always there to pick us up, get us back on track we have to admit and acknowledge when we have fallen short, when we've stumbled, when we've given in to those things. But again, a very important warning. Hold fast what you have. And again, so we've talked so many times about those who've abandoned, you know, as it talks about in the book of Jude, that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude wrote that 2,000 years ago. That faith imparted to us by Jesus Christ, and by the apostles, the apostles' doctrine, Acts chapter 4, Jude was warning the people he was writing to about false teachers, about those who were leading people astray, and he talks about that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And yet we have people today, and it's not a new thing, it's been going on forever, saying that we need to reinvent Christianity, modify our faith, adjust it to the times we're living in. Excuse me, the times we're living in need to adjust to God's Word. Not the other way around. So holding on to, hold fast to what you have means you don't give in to all these little tasty, tempting morsels of easy believism. Right? That you can just be whatever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, and still be saved. That's abusing the grace of God. Freedom in Christ means freedom to not sin. In our own strength, in our own flesh, we are bound by sin, are we not? We're compelled to sin. It comes naturally. Did any of you ever have to study how to sin? <laughs> All the urges kick in, right? Right? I mean, even before the more adult type of urges, the first urges that kick in was when you're a little baby, like Josiah there. The first urge is to rebel, to do your own thing. That's what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden, by the way. What's the first word most kids learn? No. What's the second word? Mine. (laughs) Nobody has to teach you how to sin, it comes naturally. Freedom in Christ means not to do whatever the heck you want to do. It means freedom to say no to your flesh and say yes to God. Okay? That's freedom in Christ. So hold fast to what you have. Don't be seduced. Don't be led astray by those who would come preaching another gospel. And there's plenty of them out there, boy. There really are Okay, Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the theme, as I mentioned. Quickly or soon can also be and perhaps should be translated swiftly. That's where some people get confused. Well, the Bible's full of contradictions and lies Jesus said he was coming soon, that was 2,000 years ago, he hasn't showed up yet. But really the more accurate translation would probably be, I am coming swiftly. It means that when these great events that we've studied here in the book of Revelation start to occur, there will be no delay. Hence, many of us believe that we're going to see Jesus very, very soon. It also means that every believer should be looking for the soon return of Christ. Three times at the close of this book, Jesus says, I'm coming soon or quickly. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly or again swiftly. Back in Revelation 1, 3, blessed is he who reads, one, those who hear the words, do you realize you can read them and not hear them? And that's why we talk about people who read the Bible, they say, I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense, it contradicts itself, because it's possible to read it, but not hear it. The only way you can hear it is when you're born again by the Spirit of God. They are things of God are spiritually discerned, as Paul writes. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear. And thirdly, keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So it's not enough to read it, and it's not enough to hear it. We have to read it, hear it, and keep it. To keep it means you don't toss it out, you don't cast it aside, you don't ignore it. So it's a good thing, I think, that we spent the last couple of years studying this book. So the blessings of this book are for those who read it, hear it, and keep it. Believe, observe, and obey. Live by the words of this prophecy. I'm going to read from Matthew 24, beginning in verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Again, we can look at the signs of the times and discern that the time is near, but we don't know what hour. Why would Jesus use the word hour? He wants us to be constantly watching. It is possible, with God's help, to multitask. We can live out our lives here on earth, do the things we need to do each day, and still be watching for Him. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Here's an interesting thought. I know there are many different perspectives on this passage. But in John 10.10, Jesus refers to Satan as the thief. And Satan is the prince of this world. So perhaps what Jesus is talking about, the devil's house, this world. So if Satan doesn't know when Jesus is coming either, and that's good news. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What does that tell us? Those who say, oh, he's not coming for a while. We've got plenty of time. Let's just, we need to focus on the here and now. That's not what Jesus says. He says, you don't know when I'm coming, so you need to be watching. You need to be ready. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household To give them food in due season, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Food, God's food, is his word. The spiritual food, it's our responsibility, particularly those called to be pastors, leaders in the church and so forth. But really, every believer, we're taught in the New Testament about the priesthood of the believer. To give them food in due season, spiritual food. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, listen to this, this is what I got from my pastor, Chuck Smith. If that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour he's not aware of, and we'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so God frowns upon those who say my master is delay his coming. I've heard many believers over the years say that. I don't think he's coming soon. It could be a hundred years. It could be a thousand years. God doesn't really appreciate that kind of talk. He wants every believer to believe that he could come at any moment because he could. And we should be ready. Sometime soon, at a time known only to God, the heavenly stopwatch will start again, if it hasn't already. And the events described in Revelation, Daniel, Matthew 24, all the other prophetic scriptures will begin to unfold in rapid succession, swiftly. Things will accelerate. In fact, Jesus said, if those days be not shortened, no flesh would be saved. Right now they're talking about a World War III, are they not? Oh, Russia's going to start using nukes. And then we'll start using nukes. And so people are worried, afraid. Is this the end of the world? Well, it is coming. But there's a whole tribulation ahead of us yet. But when that heavenly stopwatch, when God clicks that stopwatch, things are going to unfold very rapidly. And a part of His grace and His mercy is that it will be accelerated. It will not be long and drawn out. It will be seven years, and it will be over. And that can seem like an eternity when you're in the midst of tribulation. But in the overall scheme of things, it's a relatively short period of time. So those who are watching and waiting, those who are prepared to meet and greet the Master, will say something like, Welcome, Jesus. I've been expecting you. It's good to see you face to face.